Texas talking oh, What was that that you said? Texas talking oh, Gonna hoop up inside your head Texas talking Tell me who can you trust When Texas has Hello and welcome to the Tribcast This is Chris Hayes, host of All In with Chris Hayes And I can't wait to see everybody at the Texas Tribune Festival this weekend and now, here's your host. Thank you. This is your host, Reeve Hamilton, here with the Tribcast for one of the weeks of September. I forget the, which one. It's Tribune the Festival, Festival Week. That's all you need to know, Reeve. Okay. It's one of, yeah, it's Tribune Festival Week, which is his own special week. And we'll get to that. We'll have Chris uh, Hayes there, obviously. He will be there. But we're gonna oh, talk- let's hope he's as excited as he was <laughs> on that intro. It would be impossible. He could not live up to that level of excitement. Yeah. Well, Franklin Barbecue, that'll do it for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you don't have to wait in line... Right. Which is one of the most exciting things. All right, let's talk about that later. Let's start with introductions. <laughs> let's we start have... with talking about people who will not <laughs> yeah. be going into cardiac arrest after eating Franklin Barbecue. Editor-in-chief and CEO Evan Smith. I would okay. probably have gallbladder problems more likely than a heart attack. All right, this is really... I meant the uninsured. <laughs> of, all, oh. of all the bad... Of all <laughs> oh, the... my God. <laughs> it's, you know, it's usually about me, so I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> of all the bad turns the first few minutes of the Tribcasts have taken... We also have editor Emily Ramshaw. Hi there. Oh, I forgot we hadn't finished the introductions. And reporter Alexiura. Hi. How's yes. your gallbladder? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, it's fun. I mean, Emily sort of spoiler alerted this whole thing, but we are going to start with talking about how Texas is number one. Yet again. Once again. But it's, be- you know, but it's better, Alexa. This was the, I, loved, I loved reading your story because I felt like I did learn something. Unlike, <laughs> unlike, <laughs> unlike most of the yeah. unlike certain. How do you feel about my story? <laughs> well. Nothing has changed, though. We're still number one. Well, but we're better than we were. We're, we we're, we're south of six million uninsured. Can well, we tell people what we're talking about? Yes. Yeah. So yesterday, the Census Bureau sent out um, new information about the rate of uninsured in this in all of the states. Texas is still the state with the highest rate of uninsured. It looks like we are now closer to 5.7 million uninsured instead of more than 6 million, but it's really because there was a change in the survey that we're now using. So, so it's not actually so the numbers are not better. It's we're just counting them differently, right? I mean, there was a, a point, all it's of all a 0.4% drop in the uninsured, which ends up being like 14,000 people. That's not zero, right? Well, yeah, but it's well, close to zero. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a pretty, it's a drop in the bucket when you think of Texas. Uh. Well, why? But generally, the nation went down a lot, right? Is that because of the counting, or is that because people well, are signing up for the health care. insurance? So one of the things is going to be the counting, but the Affordable Care Act isn't going to be seen in these numbers because these are 2013 numbers. And oh, the, and so the, it may have gone down actually more. Right, exactly. And so the Affordable Care Act plans didn't actually go into effect until January 2014, and most Texans didn't sign up for them until the last month before the deadline. What is it, 700,000-plus people from Texas have signed yeah, up? Yeah, 733. And so if you assume uh, the McKinsey study, I believe it was a McKinsey study that found at some point in the last few months that of the people who signed up across the country for the Affordable Care Act, only about a quarter were people who didn't have insurance before. Yeah, I mean, there's been different numbers thrown around, but at this point, everyone was hoping that the Census Bureau numbers would be able to actually tell us the rate of uninsured. I guess what I'm I'm thinking is, let's just call it 800,000. So if 800,000 Texans have signed up for the Affordable Care Act and the percentages are roughly the same, let's assume that only 200,000 of those were people who didn't have insurance. It's not an enormous drop from the 6.4 million that was the case before. Not at all. Well, and how how many of these people would have insurance if we had expanded Medicaid? At least a million. Don't be a party pooper. (laughs) 
at least pinko. a million Texans fall into the <laughs> coverage gap, which is basically you don't make enough to get subsidies to help to help you purchase insurance through the federal marketplace, but you make too much to qualify for the Medicaid program as it's set up now. See, I think, you, Reeve, I think you have an interesting scenario that is developing as you go into the next session on this, which is that the, you're going to have people at the state level who are going to be adamant about not doing anything with the feds on, on health care, about expanding Medicaid or accepting those other aspects of the Affordable Care Act. But at the state and local level, you've got an increasing number of people who are saying the realities on the ground demand that we do something. Um, overnight, as we sit here on Wednesday, last night the Beaumont Enterprise uh, newspaper editorial board uh, uh, editorialized that they think that the Republicans should basically get off the stick, put pragmatism ahead of politics in their phrase, and in, in expand Medicaid. Beaumont is not exactly the blueberry in the tomato soup to, no, to borrow Rick the, Perry's it's phrase. the uh, raspberry in the tomato and, soup. And, and, the, the, and, and the debt being taken on by local communities, which we've had something to say about from a data journalism standpoint recently, you know, you have a lot of costs that are being shifted down to the local level because the state is not doing stuff. and. Well, and the state is inconsistent about it. I mean, you know, Morgan Smith had a story this week about how Michael Williams, the state's education commissioner, uh, was going to go ahead and apply for federal funding for pre-K, for, you know, a pretty major pre-K expansion in Texas. Um, You know, Rick Perry was asked how he felt about it. Rick Perry, who's adamant about not accepting federal dollars to expand Medicaid. And he basically said, we're going to see how this goes. You know, Abbott took a big swing at it. But here you have Republicans in the state, you know, a, a Republican appointee in Texas who's saying we're going to seek and accept this federal money. The, the, sh- the question really that is open, uh, we, we're not, not going to know the answer to this for a while, is we're overturning the mulch of state government effectively right in the next election. So we're going to have totally new people, Democrats or Republicans, in these offices. Um, governor has appointed every person in all these agencies. Theoretically, whoever's in the governor will appoint his or her own people. Will those new people be disposed in the same way as the other people have been disposed? You know, Janik has had a position. Kyle Janik, the commissioner of health, has had a position on this. Will the new health commissioner have a position on this that will be similar to mm-hmm. or different from the current guy? Education, same thing. If Abbott is elected, will Abbott have a position similar to Perry's in terms of holding off the federal government? I, I think absolutely. My I mean, assumption his, is, but all he's know. done as AG really is fight the federal government. That's his but, signature you know, quote. But you think I've that I mean, Obama and go every to, day he wakes but, up. But, but, the, but the costs are, are going. Costs are going right. up and. But, you know, you have to think Michael Williams would not have pursued this federal funding without Perry's quiet sign-off. Or or if he had been an elected official and had to answer to voters in a district. Right, right. I just think, Alexa, back to this question of the the number of people, you know, the state population continues to grow rapidly. It's growing Mm -hmm. most rapidly in places where we have underinvested the most over time in social infrastructure and physical infrastructure. Not a problem that's going to go away. It's a problem that's likely to get bigger. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see the trend line going down uh, slightly, but I'm not terribly optimistic in the absence of some big fix that this is going to be a Yeah, I mean, well, and the thing is that we've seen nine Republican states, nine states led by Republican governors that have already expanded Medicaid, and they have a much smaller uninsured population than Texas does. And you would think that they could use that as an argument to say, well, we're going to expand with a couple of exemptions and ask for waivers, but I don't know. Is this Will an issue, they budge on it? Is, is this an issue yeah, that we'll, we'll see make any sort of uh, change at, at, in polling results? Did come you read election my day? story on Sunday? I thought it was very interesting. <laughs> I, I clearly read her stories. <laughs> <laughs> my question is, do you read her stories? Well, I'm asking um, about it. Well, I'm, I'm, paid, I'm paid to read her he's, stories. He's busy on Sunday doing the puzzle, right? I'm doing the crossword puzzle. I'm trying. It was not hard this week. Did you think that, Todd? 
He's not allowed. That's to a answer. separate. That's a separate <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um, some organizing groups are trying to get Hispanics to come out to vote on the basis of healthcare and Medicaid expansion because they are the group that could probably most benefit from it. They make up a majority of the people that are in this coverage gap. So they basically knock on people's doors and say, what's the most important issue to you? And people say, well, I don't have any health insurance. And they right. say, you should vote. <laughs> I mean, that, and it's really how it works. I went out with them last week, and that's exactly how it works. But then if they, if they vote on Good that dramatic issue, interpretation. Shows you how, I don't have health care. <laughs> oh, my God. What is that? Just Emily Rimshaw Funtime Theater. What is that? <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to innovate this podcast a little bit, make it more of like a radio drama. You know, you like ought to theater. get Dame Judi Dench to yeah. do the intro, actually. That's about as close as you're going to get, probably. Oh, yeah, that's an easy guess. I think she has health insurance. She's got nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, she has health insurance. She definitely does. That's because she's British. Oh, right. Oh. Socialist. Socialist. That's exactly right. Also, what is that, uh, what is that what James? talking about? What is that? <laughs> who, who does James Bond work for? They've probably got awesome benefits. Her he, Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. That seems like a low high, deductible. That seems like a high risk pool, right? You there. think so? Low <laughs> deductible, I think. Okay. <laughs> to say that we're off the rails would really not do justice to where this podcast. Is. What were you I, talking about I think again? you really drew us off the rails. I like, pulled us pretty forcefully. That's uh, my job. I don't know what we were talking about. We were talking, we're talking about, about the Texas uh, organizing project. Yeah, but what, if are people if people vote on that? We've seen how hard it can be to actually move these numbers and change these policies. Won't they quickly get disenchanted if they vote on that and then nothing happens? They're not, it's not like they're going to vote and then get health insurance tomorrow. I mean, I think at the end of the day, this is still a very Republican state. And I don't know if these outreach efforts are actually going to move that. And I have a statistic to quote you that I remember because I'm old and is all it of prove, you are young. Is it to prove that this is a Republican state? <laughs> well, no, but it's sort of like a data point for this conversation. So in 2004 – in the presidential election, John Kerry and George W. Bush, in Ohio, 25% of the people in Ohio who had lost their health insurance in the first Bush administration voted to reelect George W. Bush. People don't always vote on the basis of how policies put into place by the people running or the people governing affect them. Also, I don't right? buy this argument that groups like this that are out seeking to, you know, draw people to the polls based on health care, you know, they go out there saying, we're not here to tell you to vote one way or the other. We're here to tell right. you that if wink, you wink, big wink, wink, if you care about health care, you should vote, you know, based on health care. I mean, these are really, at the end of the day, people seeking to draw, you know, Hispanics who, generally speaking, but not across the board, but generally right. speaking, lean Democratic to right. the polls. But, but it gets to another point, which is, I'm not sure that you're covering the lieutenant the governor's race for us, Alexa. I'm not sure that Senator Vandepute, or for that matter, Senator Davis running for governor, has necessarily come out in a full-throated, rah-rah, expand Medicaid at all costs kind of deal, um, right? Vandepute has definitely endorsed it. It was part of her policy proposal, but you haven't seen her really campaign. Right. She's not on campaigned it. on it. And, you know, Dan Patrick hasn't really put out a health care plan, right. right? And Abbott's health care plan is more – I mean, it's it sort of talks about we're going to get people healthy and all that, but it doesn't really no. get to the question of – Well, and even come. if Vandepute were elected lieutenant governor, which is obviously not likely, if she were elected lieutenant governor, it's not like she would have a chance getting a Medicaid expansion through the Texas legislature. 20 Republicans or 19. Right. She can't, no. Yeah. She's, I mean, she, yeah. she really has proposed a number of pretty bold things, the chances of them getting through the legislature. Right. Although, like, what, uh, free community college, subsidized community college for everyone, mm -hmm. uh, 
minimum wage raise. Well, and the community college thing, for instance, I think is an example of the liberation that you enjoy when it's like, you know, look, this is a d- difficult election to win. We certainly want to win, but yeah, there's not a lot of you want. So right. she's so she's proposing to your point. I mean, I just I love that community college thing because in some ways it's the most uh, a potent illustration of the you know, the kind of the place that we are in this campaign. She's proposing two billion dollars come out of the rainy day fund to subsidize community college for everybody, which would require two-thirds vote in the House and the mm-hmm. Senate of what was not a very spendy legislature last right. time and is apt not to be spendier but also this, this time. Yeah, it's this a, doesn't just happen on the left. I mean, even people who are headed for office make huge promises that rarely get through. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've seen promises from Perry. We've seen vows and policy changes from Abbott that I think he would have a hard time getting through. And then you run right into the buzzsaw reality, right? And then you go, I right. can't I.e. E. the budget and yeah. a bunch of lawmakers <laughs> who don't want to spend. Except I think I haven't had a specific lawmaker in mind. I did? <laughs> it would be funny if you did. Who would that be? <laughs> the Buzzsaw. Right. Uh, you know who you are, Buzzsaw. Buzzsaw. <laughs> Mr. Saw. Uh, but, but to come back to the health care question and the budget that Emily just raised, we're going to have more money next time than we had last time mm-hmm. because the health of the economy is what it is. And the cost of health care, I think it's, it's the about – The Texas miracle. Evan. I think it's about 37 percent public ed and 37 percent health care mm-hmm. based on numbers I heard this weekend. They're basically equivalent. But the thought is that healthcare costs are going to rise to exceed public education costs this time, maybe for the first time ever. So then the question becomes, will those additional dollars that are available to us be deployed in that direction, or are they going to – because they're in competition for other things. Mm-hmm. Will they go to something else? Don't know. Are there, other than insurance, are there other healthcare questions that might resonate more, get people more motivated to go to the ballot box? I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, you have the situation in Hidalgo County where basically people are separating from Planned Parenthood, which obviously – the whole abortion thing really stirred people up last session. I don't know if it got them voting because those might have been people that were already voting. Why don't you start by telling us what happened in Hidalgo County? That's another Alexa story. <laughs> yeah. I'm just basically can, trying to tell it, Reed. It's, it's the Alexa cast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All I do each week is read Alexa stories and then try to tee them up here. Not terribly so, well, apparently. On Monday, the Planned Parenthood Association of Hidalgo County, which includes five counties down in the Rio Grande Valley, decided to cut ties with the Planned Parenthood Federation of America. They are relaunching as Access Esperanza Clinics, and basically they're doing this so that they can once again tap into state dollars for women's health care that were um, basically prohibited from Planned Parenthood or any affiliates of abortion providers in 2011. So these are the big cuts back in 2011 that lawmakers made to women's health in general. Their effort was to really get Planned Parenthood out of business in Texas, wanted to make sure that none of their dollars were going to any Planned Parenthood clinics. They were largely successful, yeah. and I think this was this it's week, a big this victory. move was a big win for the GOP because they this clinic basically folded and said, you know, all right. They've, they've marginalized Planned Parenthood. Yeah. We need these state dollars in order to pl- provide family planning services, and so we'll cut ties with Planned Parenthood. What's interesting is that none of these clinics were performing abortions. They were already prohibited by law from performing abortions if they received any state, you know, any taxpayer dollars whatsoever. So yeah. It's and not, it, yeah. There, so there will no longer be any Planned Parenthood clinics in this county, and a majority of the women there not only live in poverty, but 90% of the people that they serve live under the poverty level, which means that they qualify for these programs. But if, if nothing's changing other than the name on the door, you know, will people there notice a difference or care? 
Well, they've, you know, they've got a small campaign going on there and they're calling all of their patients to make sure that they know that they can still go there. It's just under a different masthead. And now they're hoping to gain back at least 13,000 patients that they lost when they could no longer receive state funding. Because over the last couple of years, they've really had to tighten up their what the services that they offered. So they lost a lot of clients in the meantime. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the state is in the 2013 session. Lawmakers, now that they sort of had Planned Parenthood, in, you know, in their mind out of the way, they restored some funding for women's health care through uh, primarily through primary care, you know, more comprehensive care clinics. They've gotten to sort of do it in the way that they want to do it there. I still think trying to find ways. I think there, there have been some drop offs in service. You know, a whole range of there's different still programs. still gaps in providers. Right. Uh, and they're still trying to So it's to actually sort of a win for out. them because now they have five more clinics in this, in this underserved region. region. My, my question to the two of you is going into the 2015 session, are we likely to see more legislation related to limitations on abortion? Sure. Or, or are we done? I, we're never done. Yeah, I don't think so. Not with this legislature and not the way some of these Republican candidates Anything can pass, you think? I mean, I think it's been interesting because even the legislation they passed last session has been tangled in the courts ever since. And, and in so, fact, as we sit here on Wednesday recording this, there may very well be a ruling on the mm-hmm. abortion legislation as it's making its way through the courts this week. Through right? the appeals court. Through the appeals right. court. That's the, uh, the provision around ambulatory surgical center requirements for abortion clinics. So I think there are other things that they can do. I mean, there have been states that have tried to put um, to, to ban abortion after a heartbeat is present. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of things you could expect to see tried, although, I mean, nothing is going to get through these days without a serious, serious courtroom battle. As and there seeing. are so many of them going on across the country that right. it's yeah. – it, they'd have to take that into consideration. I mean, all of this is headed for the Supreme Court again in a really right. big But, of way. course, here is, here is where the change in the two-thirds rule, non-rule rule, may actually have an impact because in the last session, if you recall, the abortion legislation couldn't come up in the regular session. There were not 21 votes. This time, if the Republicans win Davis's seat in Fort Worth, win Eddie Davis's seat in Fort Worth, they'll have 20. Eddie Lucio uh, from the Valley, who referred to by one of his colleagues as the, the you know, the wholly owned subsidiary of the Catholic bishops and who joined with them on the, um, on the abortion legislation in the special, would presumably be with them. But they wouldn't even need 21 this time. They would only need 19 if they go down to 60 percent. If they change the rule. If they change right. the rule and, they've got, and they would have 20 Republicans. So the, you know, the reality is – Legislation can move something would move more easily, and if they wanted to bring up something that I mean, I think the votes are certainly there. If you know, you know, ban abortion at twenty minutes, you know, they could theoretically do that. Uh, Question is whether the House would be as receptive to such legislation. Maybe it would, but um, you know, this is this is politics in twenty fourteen in Texas or twenty fifteen. The votes are there if they want to do something else. Right. Well, can I move on to a sort of a. Another prolonged political battle that just won't seem to go away. Absolutely. Yes, you can. Over at the University of Texas system, there's some more trouble. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just leave while you talk about this and then <laughs> right. come back. Uh, I mean, so basically what happened this week, which is just odd. I mean, we've talked about how the, they had this legislative committee. They voted to censure Wallace Hall, who's one of the regents there. And they appointed Trey Martinez Fisher, a uh, Democrat from San Antonio, and Lyle Larson, a Republican from San Antonio, to monitor the UT system. Yeah. The UT system has this external investigation. They've hired a private firm to investigate UT Austin's admissions things because they think lawmakers are uh, sort of easing the, greasing the wheels for their friends and family to get into the university. And so they have this investigation going on, and these lawmakers said, 
you can do this investigation. We are going to sit in on all of it. Uh, and basically said, you know, it was basically a lawmaker saying, like, we would like to be there as you investigate political influence in right. admissions. Right. And sort of surprising the the way that the UT system board really did – they're just sort of like, up yours, no. You know, <laughs> like they, they passed this motion saying that the request – it wasn't a, it was not a request at the time, but it was a – It seemed like a, an order, was, a demand. It was just a note that this is how it's going to be, and the regent said – Nope, not uh, that's exactly. That's inappropriate and unprecedented and weird. And I said, mean, even Joe Strauss had released a statement basically saying, sort of reading between the lines, this is weird, right? Right, right. His spokesman, Jason Embry, put out a statement saying, while he appreciates the legislator's concern, the speaker thinks that, you know, it is an independent investigation and maybe they can come up with a different way to monitor it. But it just sort of showed you that anyone that thinks that, you know, we've had this this fight going on between the UT system and the legislature and the and the and its flagship university in Austin going on for three years now, more than three years, an eternity. Mm-hmm. And every time it looks like okay, maybe it's going to calm down now, right? So they censured Hall, but that doesn't really mean anything. So he can go about his business. But people sort of feel good that something's happened. Powers is on his way out. The president of UT Austin, uh, the chancellor, Francisco Rose on his way out. But still, they still find something to fight over. I and mean, again, they get more and more sort of like, where is this coming from? Like, you know, uh, you know, the idea that lawmakers would be able to sit in on a private investigation of something right. about, about lawmaker <laughs> influence is odd. You know, with, odd. I think I think it's the, preposterous. The, I think the two legislators, you know, they've been told to monitor the system and they've been told to keep a close eye on them. And to so they're doing the job they were set up to do. On the other hand, it is sort of a. Did you really think about this proposal kind well, of moment? Yeah, kind of like a fox guarding the hen house right. thing. I mean, did they think that they were going to have – that this, the UT system was just going to allow them to be involved, be at the table? The letter they sent didn't really seem Suggest to otherwise. care. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, but – and I, I don't know if they – they haven't – they've basically said like, oh, we'll find some other way to monitor it. But it was just a weird little flap, and I think it's, you know, sort of – Maybe just going to get worse still, if that's possible. Things don't seem to be getting better over there. Does well, it all come down if we get a stay new employed. governor? You know, it's like Perry's not even really... Uh, He's not really I mean, involved in it, but could someone else come in and say, you know what, let's yeah, I think, end this, know, it's gone you know, on too long. The governor could have gotten involved in a way that we're seeking to quiet the waters sort of at any point. None of these people, nobody involved answers directly to him in any official way, mm-hmm. right? But he can signal what he wants to happen. He, or not. he also hasn't really said, cool it, you guys, right? I mean, No, he, behind the scenes, he's definitely said, keep going. He's, right, you know, he's yeah. compared it to the Battle of the Bulge and said, keep fighting. Yeah, blah, and blah, he's, blah. Been, he's supported Wallace Hall and said you know, that he felt like what happened to him was not appropriate. Um, so he's not exactly, you know. So I think you'll get, I mean, in theory, things should calm down, right? So the, the, uh, there's a new governor coming in. Mm-hmm. Either one is probably not interested in in the continued fights of their predecessors regents um three new board three new three board members have their terms ending in february so the new governor will quickly be able to make a mark on the system uh one of the one of the regents going off the board is gene powell who was the previous chairman and he's really been uh probably the biggest enabler of all the tension so, but the two, but then two are going off the board who have been kind of on the other side, right? Mm-hmm. Steve Hicks and Bobby Stillwell, mm-hmm. 
And if I, if they both, you know, it's all there's always a chance that someone could get reappointed. Right, but I think you know the first opportunity for Greg Abbott to show ways in which he differs from Rick Perry, if indeed, you know, as they say, well, he's not the same guy, not not Rick Perry's fifth term. Those regional appointments in February are going to be the first first swing yeah. at the ball. But also, I mean. Look at the people that Perry has appointed most recently, right? I mean, that's something that sort of gets lost as people sort of tie Perry to Hildebrand, this, this sort of gang of four. Right. But, uh, but not, yeah, the, not the most the recent yes. uh, Perry appointees have definitely stood in Hall's way to some extent. You know, they haven't joined his cause. Hildebrand— well, they've actively stood in his way. Hildebrand uh, asked, publicly asked him to step down. Well, that along would be with actually, the chairman, okay. with, withdrawn, I would call that along <laughs> with the chairman of the board. I mean, that's a pretty. I got to start reading his stories, appointees. Alexa. I mean, that's interesting that Perry's either, appointees have not, you know, directly towed the Terry line, uh, the Perry line in this case. Right. I mean, it's sort of, yeah. Or you know, the Perry line is let this go, but not too far. Mm-hmm. You know. I'm just honestly, I'm just really tired of this story. Well. Well, that makes one of us. I really think <laughs> the rest of us are pretty into it. So we'd like to keep talking about it for a while. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't know what the new Chancellor Admiral McRaven will be like. I can't imagine he's going to allow this to go on. <laughs> he's going to take the yeah, military approach and be like, "What's it going to be like? Make your I bed." Was, yeah, he's going to make my bed. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Judy Dench, go. What do you got? I, I, I don't have a good military, use your military voice. I don't have a good military voice in me. It was going to end up being offensive to someone. I decided to skip it. <laughs> Alexa came in and saved me with the "make your bed" comment. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of speaking making of, your bed. Speaking of making your bed, none of us will be getting very much sleep this weekend because we had the bad. Texas Tribune Ooh, Festival. Whose idea was this? Oh, that Evan Smith. He likes Honestly, to do I'm this sick of this story. Year. That guy loves to be <laughs> on exactly. It's been going on for years. I am totally sick of this. Yeah, where, where was Jeffrey Hildebrand to stand in my way? Right. <laughs> I needed that. Can you explain uh, what this uh, Texas Tribune Festival is and, and yeah. why people should go? And why we still do it? <laughs> yeah. It's three days of conversations about the future of Texas. How's we that do, read? We do that every week. I was going to say, you're on the TripCast. Uh, we'll have panel discussions and one-on-one conversations with most of the elected leadership of the state, a bunch of statewide candidates. It's just about everybody who is in a position anybody? to affect. Is Everybody is in a position to affect in a good or bad way the life in the state of Texas over the next few years with tracks of content in various subject areas that we at the Tribune cover all the time, public and higher ed, immigration, health care, transportation, energy, the environment, criminal justice, and now open government this year for the first time. We have great keynotes, um, a lot of really good uh, people who are sitting down with us over those three days, and we're going to have the most attendees ever in, in the fourth festival ever we've ever had and the most speakers. It should be really fun. We'd like it not to rain. Uh, I don't think we're going to get our Well, the, the, well they've, they've we downgraded just... the chances of raining Friday and Saturday night, which is really important for so them, if, down to 20%. If all the TribCast listeners could just pray for no rain. So Matt McCoviak and Philip Martin, pray for rain. Pray for no rain. Pray for no rain. Are you trying to double bluff them? <laughs> I was. <laughs> Normally if I tell Philip Martin to do something, he does the opposite, right. so it's actually fine. Um, no, this will actually work out great. Uh, we're going to have a great time this weekend, and then on Monday we will rest. Any, anything you guys most looking forward to? I hear Everyone the Latinos here is moder- and the GOP panel, panel is going to be awesome. The, mod- <laughs> the moderator is so-so. C-SPAN. I'm going to be on C-SPAN. It's my first panel ever, so no pressure. And I will be uh, moderating back-to-back. <laughs> These are also the- very calm and non-controversial right. panels. Back-to-back. <laughs> Women's health panel followed by the same-sex marriage panel. 
So oh. expect to see me why don't, sweating. Why don't I'm you just, just gonna, like, why don't you just blog, combine like them and do a two-hour panel? You know, I mean, it would be amazing. I have a right? prediction about the gay marriage panel. What's your prediction? It will be a hundred percent correct. Mark McKinnon will wear a jaunty hat. Oh, I bet he, he wears, a wears a scarf. A jaunty hat and, and a, a scarf and a pocket, <laughs> some kind of little like pocket square or scarf. Speaking the of pocket, pocket squ- square, the, the pocket square topic comes up all the time because there's you know as as night follows day, Jason Vialba will wear a pocket square to your panel. Jason well, Vialba will also be squares are nice. Jason Vialba will also be on. We're taping a live tribcast at the festival with like a band and special guests. Jason Vialba agreeing to be in front of a microphone and an audience. I'm also on. Well, no stuff. This is this is totally a pot kettle situation we have yeah, here. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah, I think you're living in a glass tripcast here. Am I really? <laughs> exactly. People who live in glass tripcast shouldn't throw pocket squares. <laughs> I agree. Good one. You yeah. can also you can also see me at uh, what am I doing? Uh, higher ed. There are like seven higher ed panels. <laughs> yeah, we will the, be at torches. The completion crisis with Bill Powers and Dan and Adelicio and Renew Couture and Dan Branch. Dan Branch. Remember him? Brian McCall, also that's one. There are others. It's going to be really good. I, I, I'm excited, and actually, we have a bunch of stunt casting moderators who we've brought in as special guests from out of town. Dan Balls interviewing Ted Cruz, Karen Tumulty interviewing John Cornyn, both of the Washington Post, Manny Fernandez from the New York Times, Russell Gold from the Wall Street Journal, our old friend Dave Leventhal from the Center for Public Integrity, uh, moderating the Dark Money, but Charlie don't call Ornstein, it Dark Money panel. ProPublica. ProPublica. And um, if you if you are great. Brian Sweeney from Texas Monthly is going to be moderating. Did you a forget the name of that magazine for a second. <laughs> yeah. I did actually forget it for a moment. Yeah. If, yeah. if you can't make it, I think you can also just Erica watch Greeter, Texas Monthly. Texas Monthly. If you can't make it, you can watch the keynotes, which will be streamed on our website. My my, my parents told me last night that they're going to watch some of the. Oh well, you won't be keynotes. stressed out then. They won't be in town. And I'll. My mother will call me. No, I don't, I don't get stressed out when they're in town. Is she going to listen to this I get stressed out when your no. parents are in town. Oh, you should be. Right, because your parents make you stressed out. They make everyone stressed out. Okay, so. It, Let's hope my parents they don't listen to the Tribcast. People can also read the live blogs. Every panel will be live blogged. They will be live blogged. If anybody like wants re- to make any news. The revolution will be live blogged. Right. <laughs> if anyone would like to make any news or send any questions or comments, just send that a little notification to Tribcast. Give us a heads up. At texastribune.org. We would like to thank Shine Yerbs for doing our music. And on behalf of Emily, Alexa, Evan, and our producer, Todd, this is Reeve. Thanks for listening. Don't put that on the podcast.